Uh, one day, uh, Jesus was praying in a certain place. That's important, a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now, Jesus is going to give his teaching. This is what he said. He said to them, when you pray. He didn't say if you pray. He said when you pray. So we ought to be people of prayer. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose, now he doesn't stop his teaching. He's going to give a story. He's going to tell a story. Now notice what he says. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. And a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity or persistence, the Bible says, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask. Here's his teaching on prayer. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek. And you will find knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be opened. Last week we started a series and we're going to continue this series on prayer and on the importance of prayer and prayer. And we spoke last week mostly about the importance of prayer and then we very briefly spoke about the model prayer. What I call the model prayer, that, that there where he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Now let me remind you, that prayer that he, he gave there was not a prayer that we just chant. Because when we looked in the Gospel of Matthew, what did Jesus say? Don't just pray vain repetitions. He says, don't just pray these vain, you know, uh, repetitious prayers. He says, that's not what God wants. And so understand that this prayer that he gave was a model prayer on how we are to pray. And we studied that last week. This week, what I want you to notice is in verses 5 through 10, Jesus gives a story. His disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. They wanted to know how to pray the way Jesus prayed and the way that John taught his disciples. They said, Lord, will you teach us how to pray? And that was a great question because here's the thing. This is what gets really blows my mind is these were people who were followers of God. These are people who spent their entire life praying. We remember we were reminded of someone like Daniel, where Daniel was a man of prayer, right? So understand this, is that these men already prayed, but they said this. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray the way you pray. Which tells me that, that they've realized that there was something missing in their prayer life. Does that make sense? They were already men of prayer. These were Jewish people. They're disciples. They grew up their whole life saying prayers. But they knew something was different about the life of Christ. That when Jesus prayed, things happened. And they realized that that was the source of his power. Is that when Jesus prayed, he had great power. He had great authority. Remember, he was able to perform miracles and do amazing things. And so they they said, teach us how to pray. And so they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And this is what he does. He gives them the model prayer. And I want to spend just a few moments and I want you to see the method of prayer. 
the method in prayer in verses 5 through 10. And I love that Jesus told a story. I don't know about you, but I like stories, right? And so Jesus tells this really cool like parable or story. It's an earthly story with a deeper meaning, with a heavenly meaning. And so he gives them this story. He gives them a scenario, if you will. And so he tells this story about a, a man who has unexpected guests come to his home and he has nothing to offer them. And so what does he have to do? He has to go to his friend. He says it's his, they have a friendship. And he has to go to his neighbor and their friends. And so he goes to his neighbor at midnight and starts pounding on the door. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not answering the door either at midnight. And he starts pounding on that door. And he says, hey, friend, you know, friend, buddy, you know, can you please open up the door, friend? You know, he, he's really trying to emphasize this. And he says, hey, I'm in a bad situation. I'm in a predicament here because I have some other friends who showed up unexpectedly and we have nothing in the house to give them and we want to give them some food. And so, you know, as the story goes, that he, he, he says, I, we're, I can't help you. I have no way of helping you. Forget it. No way. We're going back to bed. And the man just keeps on pounding and keeps on knocking and he keeps on asking. And he just he won't. And the Bible says his shameless audacity. He just has the nerve to just keep nagging this guy. And finally, the guy says, OK, OK, I'll give you I'll give you all that you need, whatever you want. And if you were to look carefully, you know, at a casual reading, you might miss some things. But I love this teaching of Jesus. It's so practical. When they say, Lord, teach us how to pray, he tells this story and he teaches us. I think there's three really key ingredients to prayer in the method in prayer in this passage. Now, I could go off on a whole other subject, but it's interesting because Jesus was in a certain place when he prayed. And I do think that is important. We can pray anywhere at any time. Amen? And God hears us. But I do think that if you study the life of Christ, he had certain places that he prayed. Many times he would go up to a high mountain to pray, to get away. If you were to study and look at the life of Christ, one place that Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer, and he would go there often, was the Garden of Gethsemane. You guys kind of remember that? We'll talk about that in a moment and how he prayed there in the garden. That was, the, that was his prayer spot. When Jesus was in and around the city of Jerusalem, his certain place was the Mount of Olives or the Garden of Gethsemane. There's actually a cave there and there's actually a wine press there and, and uh, it's hidden in the mountains of the Mount of Olives. It's, it's really cool. And most people believe that Jesus would go to that cave to pray. And by the way, when he was betrayed by his closest, if you will, dear friend, Judas Iscariot, he said, I know exactly where he is. And he led them to his prayer place. How many of you have ever seen War Room? Ever see that movie? If you haven't, watched it. But I do like the idea, the concept of, of having what Jesus said. Remember in Matthew 6, he said, when you pray, go to your closet. Go to, a, go to a private place and pray. I'm not saying that you have to have a war room or a prayer room. But I can tell you that there's something about having a place where you go and pray. What I have learned is that, and you know, when you move and you go to different places, sometimes it's a park. When I was in Tucson, it was a certain park. You know, 
uh, when certain houses, it's a certain chair. And you might think that's weird, but there's like a chair where I'll just kneel there and pray when there's something I really need to talk to God about and call out to God. And prayer is talking to God. And let me just throw this out here. This is all free. It's not even in my notes, okay? It's not even there. This is free, okay? This is the sprinkles on top of the Dairy Queen ice cream, all right? They just threw it on there for free. What I have found is when you have a place that you call out to God and you go to and you pray, it becomes a place of confidence. A place of confidence. I've been here before. I've prayed. I've asked God for things. And then God answers them. And there's something about that. I'm telling you, I get goosebumps because there's something about that. That when I come to this place and when I pray, I get a hold of heaven and I get a hold of God and God moves. God does things. I come in nearly every day of the week and I'm here and I walk around. I have my prayer places, even in this sanctuary, pray. And I'm telling you, listen, God answers prayer, but there's something about having a place. Listen to this. You say, well, I'm busy and I don't have a special room. It doesn't have to be a special room. Listen to Susanna Wesley. Have you ever heard of John and Charles Wesley? Susanna Wesley was their mother. John Wesley and Charles Wesley, founder of the Methodist movement. Um, Charles Wesley wrote this hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Ever hear that song? She was a mother who had 19 children. Says that she ran a strict, ordered household. She had homeschooling for six hours a day, homeschooling her children. She knew Latin, Greek, and French. She would teach her, her children the alphabet on their first day of school. This woman was hardcore. Each week, she would spend an hour with each of her children, each one separately, to know their desires and to better talk with them about their spiritual matters and to direct each of their child's paths. It says in this article about her that most of it she did by herself. Her husband sometimes was in and out of prison for preaching the gospel. There were times that he was away with church functions. And so she's basically almost like a single mom taking care of almost 19 kids. And it talks about her source of strength came from her prayer life. And this is the part that I thought was so cool. Is it says this, that she would spend at least one hour a day in private prayer. Most of the time, her kids said this. Charles and John Wesley said that she would sit at the kitchen table and she would pull the apron over the top of her head. And when she pulled the apron over the top of her head, that was her quiet time with God. She would sit in the kitchen and pull her apron over her head. Can I just say, that became her place, amen? Her prayer closet. It doesn't have to be a closet. It doesn't have to be a room. God can hear us anywhere at any time. Aren't you thankful for that? But, you know, she knew that it was important that she took time to talk to God and to get alone with God. And so she would flip the apron over her head and the kids all knew, don't mess with mom. She's having quiet time with the Lord. How cool is that? And we see that she had great impact and influence on her kids. And so Jesus went to a certain place. But I want you to see, he says, when you pray, he gives a story. He mentions a number of things. As I mentioned earlier, if you casually read it, you will miss it. Let me give you three quick thoughts. And if we don't have time to get through all of them, we only have two or three hours this morning. Um, and so that was a joke. 
if we don't get through all of them today, we'll pick up next week. That's the great thing about a series, right? But notice what he says. He says, when you pray, he's, he talks about this friend. He says, suppose you have a friend. And he goes to him at midnight. And he says, friend, lend me. Can you say the next words if you can see it? But maybe not. But he says, lend me what? Three loaves. He doesn't just say, give me some bread. He is, listen to these words, he's specific in his request. He's specific. Or we could say it like this. He was precise in what he was asking for. Jesus, he doesn't say, just give me some bread. You know why? Because he needed three loaves of bread. Most likely he had three guests. And he wanted a loaf of bread for each one. And so he says, when he says he went and he asked his friend, he says, hey, I need three loaves of bread. Can I tell you something? You say, well, that, 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 is that really what Jesus is teaching? I believe it is. I believe what Jesus is saying is when you pray, be specific in your prayer. Be more precise in what you pray for. If you just pray very generally, how are you going to know if your prayers are going to be answered? How do you know if they are being answered? And by the way, in this passage, think about it. He says to man, I need three loaves. And later we understand that his, his, his request was granted. But he's saying here, be precise, be specific when you pray. You know, here's the, the, the thing I think about. What if he was, what if he said, just give me some bread? And he comes out and he gives him two pieces of crust. Let me tell you, that would be one bitter man. Amen. You know, my wife will do that to me. I'll say, can I have a sandwich? Uh, can I have a sandwich? And sometimes what will happen is there's not much bread left in the house and everyone eats it. So my wife knows I don't like crust. I want moist bread. I'm sorry. Now, some of you like, the, you like the, 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 the crust. Some people call it the butt. You know what I'm saying? Didn't say you like butts in church. I'm sorry. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but you like the crust. I don't like the crust, especially on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But you know what my wife will do? She thinks she's going to hide it from me. So she'll take the crust and she'll flip it. How many of you have ever done this? She'll flip it. So that on the inside is the crust on both sides. But it's like, come on, you can't fool me, woman. Come on. So when I say, may I have a sandwich? Or can I have a sandwich? Or, hey, do you think you have a few minutes? Can you make me a sandwich? I always now have to say, no crust. Are you with me this morning? But she'll still find a way once in a while. That's, there's, you know, there'll be one good piece and one piece of crust. And I'll be like, <sighs> and my wife said, you need to learn to be grateful. You need to be thankful. I'm like, I'm the preacher, I'm the pastor, you just keep your mouth shut, okay? <laughs> but I'm my, in my mind, in my little twisted mind, I can just see this guy saying, hey, I need some bread. And the guy's like, sure. And he throws out a couple pieces of crumbs. Or he throws out the crust. Are you with me? But he says, I need three loaves. You know, this may seem very practical, but can I encourage you in this? When Jesus says, and he teaches about praying, I believe what he's saying is very clear here. Be specific in your prayer. And be very precise in what you pray for. And here's the really cool thing is this. When you pray specifically and you're very precise in your prayer on the things that you ask God for, this is what's cool is when God answers it and he grants that prayer and he answers that prayer, then you know that it was God that answered your prayer. Right? I mean, that's, that's awesome. 
And so then you can see that God truly is hearing your prayer and he is answering your prayer. So he says, be specific. I think what he's teaching us here is something else. Another important quality in prayer is, is this, is to be passionate in your prayer. It says that when he goes to his friend in need, and again, the parable is the story is, is the friend who's going to ask the friend, it's, it's, that's what prayer is. You're saying, I have this need, and I'm going to my friend. But we go to our father, amen, and we say, I have this need. And so he says, here he says that he, he, he has shameless audacity. He just, and he, he's passionate because he talks about the fact that he's pounding on the door, and he won't quit, and he won't give up. You know, sometimes I think our prayers can just be very dry, Dear Lord, bless this day. You know, give us a good day. Bless all the people out there in the world. That's, and by the way, that's not very specific. Please help this person or whatever. You know, and we don't pray specifically. Well, what do they need or what need, what should we be praying for? How can we better pray? Amen? And so he says pray specifically, but I think he's telling us to pray passionately. To pray passionately. To have some some passion in our prayer to really call out to God. You know, it's like when I look at this story and this guy's like, he's out there and he's pounding and he's knocking and he's saying, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not leaving until you give me what I need. And that was passion. And he was passionate about it. Look with me in James. We'll we'll put this passage up. James 5, uh, verses 13 through 18. James 5, 13 to 18. I like this. He says, James says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Isn't that an awesome one? I think I've had to use that one a lot. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. He goes on to say in verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in, uh, in faith will make the sick person well. That's praying specifically. Notice this, the Lord will raise them up, and if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. But I like this, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And then it gives an example, verse 17. Elijah was a human being. He was just as human as us. That's what the Bible says. He was a human being just like you and I, even as we are. But he prayed earnestly. Do you see that word? He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain uh, on the land for three and a half years. Then later it says, verse 18, and again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Do you see that Elijah prayed passionately? He prayed earnestly. If you were to go back to the kings and read the story of Elijah the prophet, he prayed passionately, earnestly that God would keep the heavens closed. And it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then later, when he stands on top of Mount Carmel, and he says, okay, the rains are going to come. It says that that Elijah knelt down on the ground. He put his head in between his knees, and he prayed. And it's interesting. He prayed, and he tells his servant, he says, hey, servant, look out and tell me if you see any storm clouds. And the, the servant comes back and says, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. There's nothing. And so Elijah prays again. And he pray, says he prays passionately and earnestly. And he says, hey, is, it, is, is there rain coming? Is there any clouds? He says, no, nothing. 
and I don't want to wear you out. But here's the thing. Elijah did that seven times. And finally, after the seventh time, he says, hey, do you see a storm cloud? Do you see anything out there? And his servant says, well, I see a tiny little cloud. It looks like it's about the size of a man's hand. And Elijah said, oh, we better head for cover because rain is coming. And God sent the rain. Boy, there's so much to this. Pray passionately. Elijah sat there curled up in a ball and begged God to send the rain. By the way, it's because if you know the whole story, it's because he told the king, he told the wicked king Ahab, it's going to rain. So you better head back. It's going to rain. You better get back. And then he went up and started praying. And he probably thought, oh, I'm going to look like a fool. I just told the king that rain's coming. And it's not coming. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. By the way, can I tell you something? Sometimes you don't get your prayers answered the first time you pray them. And so Elijah prayed seven times passionately and earnestly. Jesus, when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed so passionately, so earnestly, that the Bible says that his blood vessels, and it is scientifically proven that it can happen and it has happened when someone is under a tremendous amount of stress and anxiety, that burden of the sin of the world placed upon Jesus Christ, and Jesus is there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying passionately. What does the Bible say? His, the blood vessels begin to break, and he sweat great drops of blood. Jesus praying earnestly and passionately praying. There's a third aspect of prayer in this passage that is so practical, but it's, I think it's so important, and that is this. We pray prayers that are precise. We pray passionately. You know, like our kids do when they really want something, you know, and they keep, they keep after it passionately. Passion. Please! Please! You know? That's what we need to do with God, please. And notice this last one in this passage. He says he was persistent. He kept knocking. He kept pounding. He kept after it. Elijah was persistent. He prayed not once, not twice, not three times, four times, five times, six times, seven times for the same prayer. At the same time, he just kept praying. And he basically probably was saying this, God, I'm not going to stop praying until you send the rain. And so God's like, okay, well, all right, I'll send the rain. The man went to his friend's house, and he's pounding on that door and pounding on that door and knocking and yelling and waking up the neighbors. And I'm sure what probably happened was the neighbors next door and the neighbors next door said, give them the bread already, please. That's what I'll do. My kids will nag for something. I'm like, honey, please, just give in. Just give it to them so they shut up. Here, this is in the Greek language. You ready? The shameless audacity here is this. Nag God. Just keep nagging. It's okay. Nag. Our kids do it right, and it works. How many of you know this? How how many of you have honestly given stuff to your kids that you weren't really ever intending on giving to them, but they just wore you down, right? Are you with me? They just nag you to death. They just nag you, and you're just like, okay, that's it. You win. God does the same thing. Let me give you two more passages. Are you ready? We're almost finished. So listen to this. Ephesians 6.12. Watch this. 
Ephesians 6.12. Now, let me just throw this out here. Why is it that sometimes our prayers take a long time to be answered? Why is it that we have to sometimes pray for things over and over again? Listen to what the scripture says. He says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil. Notice this, in the heavenly realms. Some versions will talk about principalities, the idea of of demonic and evil forces. Now, I want to take you to an Old Testament account. Back in the book of Daniel, Daniel was a man of prayer. Go back to Daniel, and we do have a few moments, so I want you to hear a story in Daniel. And I think this is like kind of like just will bring this idea of why we have to sometimes keep persisting in prayer. Maybe some of you have read this story. Maybe you've seen this story. But look in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. I think you're going to get it for us. And it's a long passage. Bear with me. But I promise I'll be brief and I'll get right to the point. But this illustrates what Paul said in Ephesians. Listen to what he says. It was the third year that Cyrus, the king of Persia, ruled over Babylon. And at that time, this is Daniel speaking. He says, I was living in Babylon and there the people called, they, they called me Belteshazzar. That was his name, his new name that they gave him. But notice what he says. A message came from me from God. It was true. It was about a great war. And I had a vision that showed me what it meant. And at the time, I was very sad for, notice this, for three weeks. Now, what's going to happen is he's going to fast and he's going to pray. He says, I didn't eat any rich food, no meat or wine or touched my lips. I didn't use any lotions at all until the three weeks were over. Notice what he says. I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River. It was the 24th day of the first month. I looked up and I saw a man who was dressed in linen clothes. And the belt that was made out of the finest gold was around his waist. His body gleamed like chrysolite and his face shone like lightning and his eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and legs were as bright as polished bronze, and his voice was like the sound of a large crowd. I was the only one who saw the vision. The men who were there with me didn't see it, but they were so terrified that they ran and hid. So I was left alone as I was watching the great vision, and I felt very weak, and my face turned as pale as death, and I was helpless. Then I heard the man speak. And as I listened to him, I I, I fell sound asleep and my face was toward the ground. And a hand touched me and it pulled me up uh, on my hands and knees and I began to tremble with fear. And the man said, Daniel, you are highly respected. Think carefully about what I'm going to say to you and stand up. God has sent me to you. And when he had said that, I trembled as I stood up. And he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. You decided, uh, you decided to get more understanding. You went without food as you worshiped your God. Notice this, since the first day you did those things, your words were heard. So when did God hear Daniel's prayers? We'll keep reading a moment. But when? The very what? First day. He says, I have come to you to give you an answer. So when did God Basically, send the answer to him the very first day he prayed. Don't miss this. Now watch what happens. He says, I have come to you to give you an answer, but the prince of Persia opposed me for how long? 
21 days. How long was Daniel praying and fasting? 21 days. Now, this is cool. Then Michael came to help me. Who do you know in the Bible named Michael? Michael the what? Archangel. Hmm. He is one of the leaders of the angels. He helped me win the battle over the king, or some versions say the prince of Persia. Now I have come to explain the vision to you. I will tell you what will happen to your people. The vision shows what will take place in the days to come. Prophecy. And while he was telling me these things, I bowed with my face toward the ground. Now I wasn't able to speak. And then someone who looked up, uh, who looked like a man touched my lips. I opened my mouth and I began to speak to the one who was standing in front of me. And I said, my master, I'm greatly troubled because of the vision I see. I'm helpless. How can I talk with you? I feel very weak. In fact, I can hardly breathe. The one who looked like a man touched me again. He gave me strength. Do not be afraid, he said. You are highly respected. May peace be with you. Be strong now. Be strong. And when he spoke to me, I became stronger. And I said, speak, my master. You have given me strength. So he said, do you know why I have come to you? Soon I will return, notice this, to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first of all, I'll tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one gives me any help against those princes except Michael He is your leader. You say, why are you reading this whole passage? What is this all about? I believe this is really where we we see what prayer is really happening in prayer. Prayer is spiritual warfare. The Bible tells in Ephesians 6 that there is is spiritual wickedness in high places. There's principalities. And, And what we see here is Daniel tells us straight up that there are those, if you will, fallen angels, demonic beings who are opposing and trying to oppose the work of God. And Daniel said, God, I need understanding. And so he said, I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast. And so on the first day, he says, God, I need you to give me understanding. He begins to pray. When did God hear his prayer? When? Immediately. And it says that immediately God sends him his answer to his prayer. But on the way, the angel that God was sending to go to Daniel to give him what he needed, to give him that understanding and to give him that prophecy and to give him the strength that he needed, guess what? He was opposed by the prince of Persia. The prince of Persia is not a human prince. It is spiritual warfare. It was a a demon who opposed and basically obstructed the message that God was sending to Daniel. And so for 21 days, Daniel is praying and saying, God, why aren't you answering my prayer? God, why why can't I hear from you? I need you. I need your strength. I need your understanding. I need your wisdom. God, I need you. And he's praying and he's fasting and he's praying and he's fasting and he's seeking God. And he's probably thinking, God, where are you? I can't hear from you. But God did hear his prayer and God immediately sent the answer to his prayer because Can I tell you something? There was an adversary, the evil one, and he sent the prince of Persia to oppose this angel that was bringing him the message. Spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is real 
Brothers and sisters, family of God, spiritual warfare is real. There is, a, there is an evil one. Satan is evil. And there's not only the devil, but there are the fallen angels. And can I tell you something? Listen to me. It is real. We may not see it with our eyes, but can I tell you this? If we would just open up our spiritual eyes and look around, there is a lot of evil in this world. It's good versus evil. It's God versus the enemy. Are you with me? And can I tell you something? Daniel prayed, and his prayers were answered, and God sent the answer to his prayer. But in the meantime, there was a lot of spiritual warfare taking place. And so Daniel continued to pray and continued to seek God and continued to fast. And he kept on praying, and he was persistent, and he wouldn't quit, and he wouldn't give up. And through that persistent prayer, God then sent reinforcements. And here came good old Michael, amen, the archangel. And he said, hey, I'll take over here, and you take the message to Daniel. And the message came to Daniel, and Daniel was encouraged. Daniel was strengthened, amen. Daniel's prayers were heard and answered. But he told Daniel, he says, hey, from the very first day that you prayed, God already sent. He heard your prayer, Daniel. He heard your prayer. Can I tell you something? There may be some things that you're praying about and you're seeking God and you're begging God to do. Can I just tell you this? Don't quit. Don't quit. We don't have time to look at the other passages, but in Luke 18, 1, Jesus tells a story in Luke 18, and he says this, that men ought always to pray and not quit. And he gives a parable about a widow and how she just pleads and begs the judge to come and to, to avenge her of her adversary, to, to plead her case. And she just kept nagging and nagging and begging and pleading. And Jesus says, men are always to pray and to not quit. Be persistent in prayer. You know, many of the times, I believe this, many of the reasons why our prayers are not necessarily, if you will, answered, or maybe the, what we want is because this, is we quit too soon. What if Daniel would have quit praying? Would maybe not that Michael the archangel came because when we're praying, understand there's spiritual warfare going on. Parents, pray for your kids. You say, what can I do for my kids? I'm so, it's a scary world and I'm terrified. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for your marriage. Pray for your husband. Pray for your wife. Pray for your kids. Pray for your family. Pray for your church. Can I say this? Pray for your pastor. Honestly, pray. Pray for one another. Pray. Don't quit. Keep praying. And you may say, well, I have a family member that, boy, there's no hope for them. You just keep praying, okay? You just keep praying and you don't quit. You keep praying. What is it that you're struggling with? What, is, what stronghold that you may have in your life that you say, I need victory over? Can I tell you something? You just keep praying and don't quit. Amen? You be persistent. You keep pounding. You keep knocking. And you don't, you don't stop until God answers that prayer. I'm going to tell you something. God is an awesome God. He's a faithful God. And you keep after it. You keep praying. You just pray through it. You want to know something? I promise. I guarantee you this. God can and will answer prayer. Because he said, if you ask, he says, you will, you, you will receive. If you knock, the door will be open. That's a promise from God. All God's people said, amen. amen. When you pray, listen to me, be precise in your prayers, okay? Be passionate in your prayers. Your kids, they do the same thing. It works, right? You just be passionate. You keep after it. And then finally, can I say this? Be persistent. Don't quit. 
Keep praying. Jesus said men are always to pray and don't quit. Keep on praying. What is it that you need God to do? What is it that maybe you need, you need an act of God in order for, for something to be accomplished? Can I tell you something? You just keep being persistent. The one reason why it, it may be that your prayer is not being answered, it is not because God is not wanting to answer it or that God hasn't already maybe sent the answer to your prayer, but it may be simply this. It may be that there's great spiritual warfare going on and the enemy knows that if this prayer is answered, great things are going to happen. Do you understand that Daniel, the message he received was the prophecy of the end times, the end days. And the enemy did not want the truth to be revealed. Are you with me? And so he was fighting. You know, you may be praying for certain things and you might be wondering, why are they not being answered? Have you ever considered it may be because the devil is trying to to discourage you, to get you to quit praying because he is so terrified of when God answers that prayer, what may happen. And there is, there is listen, brothers, sisters, there is spiritual warfare happening. Are you with me this morning? You believe that? There is good versus evil. Good versus evil. It's, you know, God versus Satan. And this is real stuff. Now, we may not see it with our eyes, but it is happening. It is happening. I can tell you, listen to me, I've done work in inner city, inner city ministries, and there are times, places I've been, I'm telling you, you can feel it. You can feel the evil. You can just feel it. When I, I think about Daniel here, and he talks about, he says there's this prince of Persia, and he just was opposing me. There was a stronghold there. And he says there had to be reinforcement sent. And can I tell you, there are places where you, you go and you just know there's evil here. Are you with me? You ever been there? You can just feel it. You know what that is? That's the spirit. And you have the Holy Spirit. Amen? And sometimes you just go, okay, I know something's not right. I could tell you, I mean, you know, uh, my kids, I don't even know the story yet, but they were on a hiking trip yesterday. My daughter and a bunch of them have some friends from Missouri here. <clears throat> you know what? I'll just say this. I don't even know the whole story, but I know they ended up helping someone, um, and it was icy, it was dangerous, am I right? All these things. You know what? I didn't know any of that was happening, but in my spirit, because my little 10-year-old went with them, in my spirit, yesterday and throughout the day, God told me to pray for them and pray for my kids and to pray for their safety. I didn't even know what I was praying for, but all I do know is they basically helped save a person's life. And I do know that they were in very difficult circumstances. I didn't even know why I was praying. And here I am trying to coach, and I'm coaching wrestling and coaching matches. But God, in my spirit, said, pray for your kids. Pray for them. And I prayed and prayed. I got home, and my wife goes, you wouldn't believe. And she told me some of the story. I can't wait to hear the rest. But I do know this, that God put that in my spirit to pray. I started praying, God... Red Hills needs finances. We need finances. We need money. You say, why? Yeah, we have money in the bank. The building's falling apart, guys. I'm just telling you. We have a lot of money that needs to go into the building. Started praying. This week, a check came in the mail from Edgewood. Make sure we thank Pastor Brandon Edgewood. $12,500 check from Edgewood to say, hey, here's to help Red Hills. We know there's a lot of repairs. There's a lot of things that need to be done. God answers prayer. We probably had one of the best months that Red Hills has ever had this past month. Thank you for giving. Thank you for investing in your church. But you know what that is? I'll be honest. That's prayer. That's prayer. That is prayer. 
We've had probably one of the best months we've ever had. And on top of that, an extra 12500 from a church just out of nowhere. The check shows up. And I'm like, yep, there it is. God answers prayer. Listen, I may not be the most spiritual person in the world, and I am not. My wife will tell you that. Amen. But one thing I'm going to tell you, one thing, is I am a person of prayer. People, and people might think, oh, well, Pastor Joe just saying that. People bring, if you listen to me, I can't pray for you if you don't tell me what you need me to pray for. But I will pray for you. I believe that's the greatest thing we could do for anyone is to pray. People say, oh, the only thing I can do is just pray. No, that's the greatest thing you could ever do. Prayer is powerful. Amen. Prayer is powerful. Prayer, listen, moves the hand that holds this world together. Amen. Let's stand together and we'll have a word of prayer. We'll sing one last. We're done with announcements. Just sing one last song. Think about the words of the song this morning. But what is it that you need to just keep praying and begging God for? I promise God is a God who answers prayer. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for answering prayers, Lord, specific prayers, precise prayers. Lord, prayers for finances for our church as we have a lot of projects uh, inside and outside and restoration and a lot of things to do. And you are already providing. And so we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. Thank you for watching over my kids and friends as they were on a trip. Lord, I don't know all the circumstances. I just know that you put in my spirit to pray for safety and to pray for them. And they're home safe. And so I give you praise, honor, and glory. And they, and they were able to help someone in a bad situation. So we know, God, that you answer prayers. And so, Father, I pray whatever need is represented here today, whatever struggle, maybe there's some right now that there's things that no one else knows about. They're going through struggles that no one else knows about. Oh, I pray that they would call out to you and know that you hear, that you answer prayer, and that they won't quit, that men ought always to pray and not quit. And we know that you will hear our prayers. We know that in your time, you will answer. And sometimes we have to pray through it. We have to pray through it because the enemy, he is fighting. But we know that you are greater and that with you, we are victorious. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.